Thank you for tuning in to today's life message from Cornerstone Church. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging message. If you would like more information about the church, stay tuned after this podcast. You know, as our world grows ever increasingly dark, it is more imperative that people find truth and life and the right way to do things. And they should hear that in the house of God. Can you say amen? Cornerstone is a place that you will always find the truth. And the truth is set to liberate you, not to offend you. It's set to liberate you. The truth will set you free. Somebody say amen. And here at Cornerstone, we want to echo the word of God, not the word, the world. And so we are glad you're here. We are starting a series on sacrificial, on sacrifice, growing in sacrifice. And today I chose sacrificial love. I'm sorry that I'm fiddling with this. It's uh, bouncing around. Give me just a moment. There we go. And if you served on the vision team when we were in the old building, would you just stand up if you served in any capacity on the vision team? If you'll look around, these folks helped shape where we are today. And there's more of them that aren't here this morning. But we want to... Yeah, you were on the vision team. Did you forget? She forgot. You don't... You didn't, are you listening? Okay, I'm just teasing. Hey, give them a round of applause. Thank you for serving and giving to the church. So I want to uh, talk to you about sacrificial love this morning. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 15. So I've got it on the screen. You can open your Bibles or you can follow along. This is from the Message Bible, so it reads a little different than the King James. But it says, By this time, a lot of men and women of questionable reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. What kind of people were hanging around Jesus? Questionable. Okay, so right now, go ahead and get in your mind the picture of a questionable person. Whatever you think that is. Everybody has a different view, don't they? Okay, you got it? The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. And they growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. So their grumbling triggered this story. Now Jesus is going to tell us three stories The first one is about the lost sheep. The second one is about a lost coin. And the third one is about a lost son. What caused Jesus to tell them these stories? They're they're complaining. Yep. And what were they complaining about? Let's remember that. What were they complaining about? The people he was hanging out with. So Luke 15, 4 through 7 says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. And you lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one until you found it? And when you found it, you would be sure you would put it on your shoulders, rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in need of no rescue. And he told another story. Or imagine a woman who has lost ten coins, or who has ten coins, and she loses one. Wouldn't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny, 
until she finds it. And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors and say, come celebrate with me. I have found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Wow. And then he says, there once was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, I want what's coming to me right now. A few, um, a few months ago, Tad preached an eloquent message on this passage. And he shared that in the Jewish culture, it would be the biggest slap to a father. He basically, and this is Tad's translation, so if it's wrong, you can go over there and put the blame. But he basically said, I wish you were dead, but you're not. So go ahead and give me what's coming to me now. Can you imagine how hurtful that would be as a parent? I really wish you were dead. Why don't you hurry up and die? Whew. That's some pretty strong stuff there. So the father divided his property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left the country. I read this this week, and I realized for the first time, I've read this story hundreds of times. I have heard this message hundreds of times. It was only this week that I realized he divided his portion up to both sons. Every time I've read it, I just think he gave the one son his stuff. Let's read it again. So the father divided the property between them. Every translation I looked up said the same thing. He divided it up. And it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. Now, I'm wondering why he waited around. Why do you think he waited around? I've got some. The Bible doesn't tell us. He waited a couple days. What do you think he waited on? The father had to divide up his property. There were things that had to be done for that to happen. Legal stuff. So the son waited around just long enough Till dad got everything done, both sons had their share, and off he went. So there, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. And after he'd gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all throughout the country, and he began to feel it. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to fields to slop the pigs. And he was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop but no one would give him any. And this is what brought him to his senses. He said, all of those farmhands working at my father's house, they sit down every day to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going to go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you, and I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me as a hired hand. So he got right up and went home to his father. Jesus paints a picture to the Jewish leaders that this son could sink no lower. He was trying, if you were a Jew at this time, this would be like the epitome as your son could not sink any lower in the Jewish eyes. First of all, he went to a foreign country and he joined himself with a foreigner. According to the Old Testament, that was forbidden. Number two... He worked with pigs. Pigs were, they did not eat pork. 
They still don't. A true Jewish person won't eat pork. So Jesus is painting this picture that this boy has sunk as low as he could go. He was feeding pigs, and not only was he feeding pigs, but he was willing to eat the food that the pigs were eating. Now, I'm going to have some transparency here and show you a picture that I'm, it's not very flattering of myself, but I think it will represent the way that the Jewish people at this moment probably felt when they were hearing this story. So my husband and I, we took our daughter fishing. See how happy she is? She caught a fish. I've cropped this picture so you can't see me. I'm sitting in the background. You see my striped pants? Let's just zoom in a little bit. That was... <laughs> so when Jesus is telling this story, you can imagine the Jewish leaders were going... They were making that face. My husband's... Oh, we're going to have to do something. Do you want me to get a handheld or just hold it? What do you gentlemen want me to do? Just hold it. All right, I'll just hold it. So that lovely, flattering picture. My husband so graciously captured that moment. I'm so thankful forever we have that photo of me. So a few points I want to make. Number one, the world is empty. The world is empty. Do you want me to grab this one? All right. You got me muted there. I'm so sorry, everybody. But I've got such a great message, you need to hear it. I'm just kidding. Say amen. All right. First point I wanted to make is the world is empty. He went into the world with resources, lots of them. And the world can never satisfy. He left the world with no money, in a famine. He was hungry and he was dirty. And that is the way the world will leave you. And we have so many people in the world trying to find what can only be found in the Father's house. There's only one place to find it. We read, the story continues, and it says, when he was still a long ways off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced, and kissed him. And the son started his speech. Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. And I don't deserve to be your, called your son ever again. But the father wasn't even listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Get the prize-winning heifer and roast it. We are going to feast we're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here. He was given up for dead, and now he's alive. He was given up for lost, and now is found. And they began to have a wonderful time. I want, to, I want you to think for just a few moments in this story. When the father divided up all that he had and gave to his two sons, what do you think his good Jewish neighbors probably thought and said what do you think they probably, come on. When I preach, I like for y'all to talk back. What do you think they probably said? What was the topic of dinner conversation? What a fool. That's a probably, yep, something they said. What else? Can you believe? Can you believe 
I saw him down at the courthouse. He was getting those papers signed, and he's giving those two ungrateful boys, ungrateful boys, his property. I cannot. What is? Has he lost his mind? What was his mother say? Could could you imagine? So this man, he was. I'm sure he was the topic of lots of conversation. So he wasn't listening to what his son said when he came back. Second point I want to make is value is only found in the father's house. That's the only place you will find value. I'm not talking about the church building. Okay? I'm not talking about the church building. Your father's house. That's the only place you will find value. When he came back home, all of his resources were restored. Because the father put this ring on his finger, and the ring was like a credit card. What do you think the neighbors said then? Come on, what do you think they said? That boy blew everything his father gave him, and he's given him the credit card? That man has lost his mind. Wilma, we're not going over there anymore. You know, our kids can't play with their kids anymore. They might rub off on them. Wilma's not a Jewish name. Sorry. I don't know what you had just made it up. I don't know a Jewish name. Not only were his resources restored, but his position in the family was restored. Now, Cornerstone is always going to be a place where you hear truth. So you're going to get some truth right now. And the truth sometimes hurts. I'm not, I don't want to hurt you. But sometimes the truth hurts. If you look around yourself right now, everybody in here is pretty much the same. We have a little diversity. Not much. If I look at my sphere of friends that I have, there's not many re uh, unreputable people that I hang out with. In fact... I kind of just do the opposite. I'm like, oh. Are we afraid that the world's going to infect us? Or do we not know that the light that's in us is to go into the darkness? I'm not speaking truth to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm speaking truth because truth needs to be spoken. We live in a time when truth is not spoken. Right now, division is rampant in our country. We're even more divided. I mean, let's name the things we're divided by. We're divided by politics. Oh, heaven forbid, I talk to somebody who has a different political opinion than me without getting offended. I mean, come on. Or somebody who is in a different lifestyle that the Bible speaks against that I would Show kindness to somebody like that. Heaven forbid. I mean, oh, what would the church people think? Probably the same thing that his neighbors thought. What is wrong with him? What is he doing? Let's go back to the reason Jesus told this story. Why did Jesus tell this story? Why did he tell this story? They were mad at him for what reason? Because of who he was hanging out with. Who was he hanging out with? He was hanging out with people who were questionable. Ouch. This message hurts me because I like to hang out with people like me. And you do too. If we're honest, 
it's hard to break out of your sphere because what will people think? How much of our interactions with people are based on how we feel rather than the love of God that lives on the inside of us? Cornerstone Church has been called to be something different. We're called to be something different. We're not called to be the church where the broken walk into, regardless of what they look like and where they find themselves, and they are greeted with another cold stare, and they're greeted with disdain for the mess that they find themselves in. This is a lesson my husband and I are learning to walk out with our second son. He doesn't look like our family. <laughs> Have y'all seen our son? He doesn't look like the cross whites. <laughs> he looks like somebody else's family. <laughs> I don't know who. He's tattooed up all over on his beautiful face. And his neck. And it's so easy to get so angry at him. And so easy to want to make him pay. Oh. How many of her church people say this? Well, you lay with the dogs. Going to get the fleas. That's just our religious way of saying, well, you got what you deserved. That's not where we find Jesus at all. Do you know, he was with those people not saying, you got what you deserved. The religious people wouldn't have been mad. They would have been, that's right, preach it, Jesus. They would have said, preach it. That's good preaching. They were upset because he was eating with them. Oh, but do you know, the only place somebody's value is going to be restored is in the Father's house. And the only way they're going to know about the wonderfulness of the Father's house is if you tell them and I tell them. That's it. You know what's interesting about this story? In order for his dad to see him a long ways off, that meant his dad was looking for him. His daddy was out there every night. Imagine what the neighbors were saying. He's waiting for that low-down, dirty, rotten, no-good boy to come crawling back here. I sure would like to be outside when he does come crawling back because I want to hear what he's going to say to him. He's going to finally get what he deserves. So his dad was out there looking all the time. See, the world can never show you your true value. And there isn't anyone like you and there is a cost attached to love. There's a, there's a cost attached to love. We want people to love us. Please love me just the way I am. But how often do we want to love people conditionally on the way we want them to be, rather than loving them right where they are? I do. I do. But that's not what love looks like. Love goes to where the other person is. That's what love does. It doesn't say, okay, when you get it all together, 
you can come right here and then I'll love you. No, love says, I love you. I love you. I love you. That father was out there looking. I imagine he was going, please come home. Please don't stay another day out there. Please come home. Please come home. You know, love, it costs your comfortableness. Love costs your comfortableness. That's not good grammar, but I don't know how else to say it. Love will cause you to be uncomfortable. Love, let's, let's look at some of the things. What does sacrificial love cost? Well, let's look, what did it cost this father? It cost him his money. He divided up his estate. He gave everything. It cost him his reputation. It was costing Jesus his reputation. It cost misunderstanding. Jesus was misunderstood. This story, the Pharisees were upset because they misunderstood what Jesus was doing. Jesus said, the well don't need a doctor. The sick need a doctor. But the church sometimes only wants to go to everybody who's got all together. We're the church. We're here to help you. Oh, good, you don't need any help. Come with us. <laughs> Is my Broadway good, Ashley? I don't know how to do that anyway. The church should be going to the sick and saying, we love you. We'll help make you well. We get it all wrong. I get it all wrong. Is sacrificial love worth the cost? Yes, Jesus said their celebration, somebody's value is restored. You think about that. Somebody's value is restored in the Father's house. Man, man, oh man, oh man. Charles Kelly preached a few weeks ago. He said, why did Jesus come? He said, he came to move us from failure to success, from sickness to health, from guilt to forgiveness, from something old to something new. Do you know, church, if we're going to be the church, then we have to go find the failure, the sick, the guilty, and help them. And help them. When Mark preached, he said, sometimes we think God is waiting to pull the power card and just show us where we were wrong. But that is not God. He isn't provoked. He isn't waiting to get you back or show you how wrong you are. God isn't mad at you. And Pastor Crosswhite preached, when God gives you something worth dying for, you have something worth living for. I want to ask you a question. What if this church got radical about loving people in a sacrificial way? What would happen? Where else is somebody going to find life? And where else are they going to be restored? It isn't going to happen in the bars. It isn't. It isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen in all these places people are looking. Your value is restored in the house of the Lord. Your worth is restored in the house of the Lord. We got to quit going after the people who are okay. 
And we need to start going after the people who aren't okay. We should ask somebody, are you okay? When they say no, we say, come with me. <laughs> come with me. We sing about it. There's hope in the house of the Lord. There's forgiveness in the house of the Lord. If that's true, then we need to fill up this place with people who need hope and forgiveness and who don't look like you and me. Our son asked his dad to go with him to California last week. My husband ended up in some questionable places <laughs> that were posted on Instagram <laughs> that have been seen by hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> it's okay. His standing is not tarnished by that. Oh, yeah, my husband hung out with some really questionable people last week and uh, saw some really questionable things and was offered to participate in questionable things. But you know what? He was able to be right there and be light and not be tarnished by what was going on around him. Do you realize that? That greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Do you know that? Is it true or not? It is true. And you know what? In the midst of all of this chaos that he was in, with our son and debauchery and stuff. The guys sitting there are like, you know, talking to him, talking about Bobby for like seven minutes. This guy's like radical and like, he's like awesome. And, and I've been talking to you for six months and I feel dumber after talking to you, but talking to him, man, I feel like, wow, that's, that's really, I, I even did the accent pretty good. <laughs> and they're getting me more. Ugh. I've worn those out. Thank you. Just put the box up there. That's right. You see, if you're going to really have sacrificial love, then it is going to cost you some stuff. You're probably going to have to set your pride aside. You're probably going to have to set aside your preferences. You're probably going to have to set aside some of your money. That trip cost us money. Who cares? It's just money. If we can love our son back home, what is money? And you know we're watching God put people in the paths of all of these people he's hanging out with. It's really cool. And at some point, the story will come full circle. I believe it. When Christian was a baby, 
He was two days old. We dedicated him to the Lord. We stood in our church as a family and dedicated this little two-day-old baby to the Lord. And when Dad was dedicating him, he felt led to prophesy. And he grabbed a bottle of anointing oil and he anointed the bottom of this little baby's feet. And he said, you will fulfill your name. You will carry the gospel many miles. His name is Christian Miles. Christian Miles. But do you know, if I let my feelings about his lifestyle and my feelings about my feelings, are we supposed to be ruled by feelings anyway? No. Faith is not. We don't live our life by feelings. We live our life by faith. Living your life by faith allows you to set aside your feelings and believe the Lord. It allows you to set aside your feelings and trust the Lord. It allows you to set aside your feelings and walk where God's called you to walk. It's real easy to let my feelings affect my relationship with him. But I believe God's called this church to love Statesville. I really do, to love Statesville. And that means the part of Statesville that's broken and falling apart and dying. It means the people living under the bridge. And there's a lot of them. It means the kids shooting up heroin. It means the man trying to become a woman because he hates this. That's what it means. I really believe God wants this church to be a light, like a really bright light where people can walk through the door and we can be like Planet Fitness, a judgment-free zone. <laughs> Thank you. You like that, Lori? Do you get judged enough anyway? How many of you have been judged enough? <sighs> I've had enough. You walk in that door and what you see are people that are glad you are here. No matter what you look like or where you find yourself. Because we know the God we serve can change your life. Because he's done it for me. All right, I got to close. I love you guys. Pray for us as we walk through this journey with our son. I'm learning a lot. I wish I could say it was easy. It's not. It's not easy. In fact, sometimes I just want to give him a piece of my mind. Because if he'd do exactly what I'd tell him to do, he wouldn't be in the situation he's in. Bless God. And get a job and cut your hair and go to work and... Sing the mom song. Do your chores, make your bed, get out of bed. You know, were you raised in the barn? Listen, the world doesn't need another mom nagging at them. They need a church that loves them. We love you. We are here. 
Don't, you don't have to be fake in the house of the Lord. If you got problems, you got issues, come on. It's okay. <laughs> Nancy says, come to prayer. Come to prayer. Come to church. We love you. All right, Father, we just thank you for this time in your presence. Lord, help us grow in love, in sacrificial love. Not love that feels good or looks good, or, but in love that's, that will lay down its life for someone else, that will give up their preferences. Love that doesn't want its own way, isn't easily provoked, doesn't think evil, is long-suffering. Love that is kind and patient. And love that keeps no record of wrong. And love that just lets go. Thank you, Lord. Father, help this church go into its destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Catherine. Thank you for listening to this week's encouraging podcast. You can find out more information about the church on our Facebook page at Cornerstone of Victory Church, Statesville. Remember, life begins at the cross.